0: Welcome to the Week 12 Touchdown Wire NFL Matchup Podcast with Doug Farrar and Mark Schofield. I am Doug Farrar, editor of Touchdown Wire, and I'll be joined by, as usual, Mark Schofield, our five-tool guy. A uh, lot to get to this week with the first buy list week, and <laughs> every deity you can name willing. Uh, no more COVID outbreaks. Just a quick note, we had discussed the Raven-Steelers matchup back when it was a Thanksgiving evening game. Right after we wrap the podcast on Wednesday morning Pacific time, the NFL announced that due to Baltimore's COVID issues, that game would be moved to Sunday afternoon. So just a quick note uh, regarding what you hear in the podcast about Baltimore-Pittsburgh. In any event, as I said, uh, no buys this week. Everyone's going, we hope, uh, at this point. So let's get rolling with the Touchdown Wire Week 12 NFL Matchup Podcast with Doug Farrar and Mark Schofield welcome to the week 12 my gosh week 12 touchdown wire nfl matchup podcast with myself doug farrar editor of touchdown wire and mark schofield our five tool guy who apparently mark you're having a problem with jared Goff. so now when you say you're having a problem completing this jared Goff video is that because you're completing it on your software against middle of the field open coverage. That's
1: exactly what's happening, Doug. I'm I'm making assumptions that I shouldn't be making and I am hesitating when I shouldn't be hesitating. And as a result, the videos are not getting done properly. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's not good for video editing and it's not good for quarterback play.
0: It's really not good for quarterbacking. Um, Now, usually we go in chronological order, which means we'd have the Thanksgiving games, which we're going to do. But I want to start with Kansas City at Tampa Bay, because this kind of has to be the lead right now. Um, I did a deep dive into Tampa Bay's passing game uh, yesterday, and this was against the Rams and it was against other teams. And you and I were messaging about it uh, yesterday, Tampa Bay passing game. I think the term I used was big box of yuck, and you said horrific. Yeah. So I'm just going to go into my notes. Um, Well, first of all, Kansas City. Did anyone doubt that Mahomes is going to win that Raiders game on that last drive? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, and I'm
1: wondering, I've been asked about this, I'm sure you've been asked about this, if we've started to sort of take Mahomes for granted.
0: Uh, that's exactly I said. He's so inevitable at this point, we may be taking his outrageous performances for granted.
1: The second Witten scored, everybody looked at how much time was left and said, all right, I guess I can go to bed now, because we know how this ends. Yep.
0: So. Now, the Bucks continue to spot drop with basic fronts. And I've exhorted, you know, to Todd Bowles, please stop doing this. Go back to multiple fronts and man coverage. Um, He made Goff look better than he is. If they do this against Mahomes, Tom Brady will have to throw for 17 touchdowns. And I'm not sure if he's going to throw for five more touchdowns all year. Um, We'll get to the passing game in a second, but they are going to have to. And and here's how I do it, because I remember part three of the match game series I wrote on match coverage last year. I went back to what the Broncos did against him in his first year as a starter. And they played, you know, they would run zero blitzes, but they wouldn't do man, they'd do match. It was, you know, zone up and then man through. And Mahomes really wasn't sure what he was seeing, which at that point in his career was kind of a, a typical thing. And he said as much. Um, he's obviously more of a reader than a reactor at this point in his career but if I'm if I'm Bowles, I'm throwing out whatever the hell I've been doing for the last four weeks on defense and saying all right we have to show him different fronts We can't do what the Raiders did which was like and I don't know why they did this they compressed the entire pass rush on the inside um there was this one there was this one pick one screenshot where uh, all of Kansas City's blockers were blocking four Oakland defenders in like a, a two foot horizontal radius yeah, like a kid. soccer game um you can't you can't do basic fronts and drop seven and spot drop into coverage or this guy will demolish you. So I just want to get that out of the way. So moving on to Tampa Bay's passing game, um, unless you have any thoughts on bowls and and what the hell. I think you nailed it there. Um, Tampa Bay's passing game is bad in all the ways you can imagine. Receiver miscommunication, very little play action, almost no real motion to help Brady with taking defenders out of the play. I went – because Dan Orlovsky of ESPN um, put on Twitter yesterday that they only motioned six times against the Rams, and everyone said, well, they did it a lot more. It's like, no, that's not – there are two kinds of motion. Um, There is across-the-field motion or reverse motion where you you go back – and there's that, what I call now motion, which is one or two steps. And you're either trying as a receiver, if you stay where you motion to, that's to get placement, um, usually in a stack or a bunch or, you know, twins or whatever. If you roll back, it's usually to get momentum, um, kind of a CFL thing where in the CFL you can run before the snap. And so right. you're trying to get momentum there. Arias is not using pre snap motion to help Greedy, I mean, it's Tom freaking Brady. He doesn't need a man zone indicator at this point. But one of and and people think, well, you 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 motion a guy, and if they run across with him, it's man. And a lot of teams are doing you know dummy motions and showing man and playing zone. More teams are doing that. But the ability to take out a defender using motion, um, I point to uh, week seventeen. Seahawks 49ers, where they had uh, they wanted to run a a deep wheel to Kyle Juszczyk. Jucek, excuse me. Wow, early in the morning, not enough coffee. And they motioned Kittle away from the the play side. And Bobby Wagner was a hook pearl defender, and it took Bobby Wagner out of the play. And if you can take an opponent's best defender out of the play, that's a good thing. Arians is not doing that. And I find it interesting. I was putting together quotes for the article i wrote on, on the passing game yesterday and this is bruce arians on sean mcveigh last week before the rams game on why mcveigh is such a good play caller he said i think it's the collective they have a lot of eye candy they try to disrupt guys eyes on defense and break down their discipline with all the different motions and things they do formationally with quick snaps to try and break down your discipline defensively all that motion when they run the football." the offense is something special if we can shut down the run like we did there last year and get him in a 50 pass game i like our chances well point one got through it 51 times and didn't go very well point two where is your eye candy for your own guy if you can look at that and say gosh that's really impressive but i'm not going to do it for my guy um last year the bucks were one of the they ran among the fewest, per, the lowest percentage of motion in the league, and Jameis Winston was far more efficient using with motion than without it. And when you got a guy throwing thirty picks in a season, anything you can do to make him more efficient, I would probably go with that. So, and, and this is because I I interviewed uh, Arians and Carson Palmer in 2015 when I was at SI, and Palmer couldn't stop gushing about how great Arians was in sitting down with him Friday before a Sunday game and saying, "Hey." 15 plays. What do you like? What do you not like? You studied this defense because Carson Palmer is a pretty smart guy. Uh, Venture to say Palmer is a pretty smart guy too. Um, What do you like? What do you not like? What do you see from their coverage? Kind of where do we go? Um, I'm not in Tampa Bay's facility, obviously. I don't know if Arians and Brady are having those meetings, um, but I went into a deep dive on the disconnect. I mean, you're, you're a Brady scholar. Uh, you got a master in that. So what are you seeing? I mean, why is this thing so putrid? Because it really shouldn't be.
1: Yeah, it shouldn't be. And you do get, you do have to wonder, you know, there was that report in recently, um, our, our mutual friend, Coach Vass, who has the big defense- DMP's quote, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought the that up. DMP's Go ahead. Quote, where he basically said that, you know, Belichick spent no time with the defense during the week. He'd spend all his time with Brady and basically say, okay, this is what they're doing. This is what they're trying to do against you. This is what you should be looking for. We'll wonder if Brady's getting that same kind of communication from somebody. You know, if there's somebody that's playing that Belichick role down in Tampa Bay because this offense isn't working right now. What was a strength earlier in the season, the downfield passing game, that's not working. Oh, it's. Um, it's it's completely awful. Um, I, I think that part of it is certainly the motion stuff, like you said with Orlovsky and what you walked through. Orlovsky pointed out a couple of weeks ago: there's motion for information, there's motion for impact, and they might be using motion for information right now with the motion across the formation, which I charted that with 21 plays with motion, but it was all well before the snap. Yeah, you know, it was the, the there were the six motion for impact plays at the snap, which you need to do more of. Um, so there are guys that are not on the same page. They're not using...
0: Yeah, that's completely different than the now motion, which is, like, I I think it was on his first interception against the Rams. Godwin ran inside, and that was just to get him, like, an extra step of momentum before the snap. And that, by the way, was another... Brady was trying to throw a post, and and Godwin was over here. That was another... There were three in the second Saints game, and I detailed them all. There were three obvious, like, 20-yard difference... in. And it was always Brady thought that he was he was going deep, and it was Scotty Miller, Antonio Brown, and Godwin. And the Antonio Brown play was one of the three picks he had against the Saints. Every play was a deep, just a, a, a vertical boundary route, and every time the receiver ran some kind of comeback or cut or something like twenty yards off.
1: Yeah, I mean there was another one. I'm trying to pull the play up right now, um, where I think it was against Carolina. They read basically Mills. Brown flattens his post route. Brady's expected him to stay deep, and it just goes for an incompletion when it should have been six. Like, guys aren't on the same page right now. And that's a problem when we're... I don't know, Doug, you did the intro for this. What week is it? It's uh, week 12. Yeah, that's a problem when guys aren't on the same page in week 12. And it's not just the Antonio Brown new acquisition. It's, it's other stuff. No. It's guys that have been with this team all season. So it's a problem. And you know you look at what Kansas City is going to do this week on offense the points they're going to put up they're going to have to score points can they fix this stuff on basically a short week that's a holiday week i'm not sure they can well
0: you're um text i got from a guy who would know word on the street is that Brady was being used very similarly to Goff in LA with coordinator McDaniel's um being in their ear with coverages and spots to throw described as a what QB instead of a yqB um that and again this is a guy who knows and it, it's if I had heard it from someone I didn't understand and respect to have you know people's ears and if this guy tells me this it's true um I was astonished that Brady would need that stuff in his ear and maybe that's part of what's missing yeah maybe I mean because you know, We've been wondering,
1: Belichick or Brady, for a long time. Maybe this is a and week. The
0: answer is yes, although we'll get to Cam, and Cam, you know, uh, he's last four weeks. <laughs> that, that's working pretty well, but, yeah. yeah. Um, any more thoughts on the, the Tampa Bay passing game, just what you've seen?
1: I mean, nothing nothing else in, in, in addition to the stuff we've already gone over. I mean, it, it's it's a problem right now and you know they're not getting the consistency that you need to be executing at a high level this point in the season and that's a problem i don't know if they can get it fixed they need to get it fixed in a hurry because this not just the division the nfc might kind of slip it away from them pretty quickly
0: yeah well they're not going to catch the saints at this rate no Um, certainly on defense um yeah Brady five picks against the Saints in two games this year yeah um it, so I, I I just wanted to start with that one because that's kind of the that to me is the most intriguing matchup because if they if they get boat raced in this one I mean Brady said he wants to play four or five more years he doesn't want to play four or five more years like that nope and yeah uh okay Thanksgiving happy Thanksgiving everyone Uh, We're taking this on Wednesday morning. So I've got the turkey in the fridge, the fresh, not frozen turkey, and I'm excited. I'm jacked to get that thing rolling. Houston at Detroit. I understand, Mr. Schofield, that your Twitter account has basically become a Deshaun Watson, auto RT, how great is this guy with a lost team and kind of a lost season. I'm just going to hand it over to you. It, it, It is the Bernie Sanders meme with the pointed gun.
1: I am not asking. I am not just asking you to watch Deshaun Watson. It is a demand now because he is playing at such a high level. And Quincy Avery, who was his private quarterback coach, pointed out today on Twitter on Wednesday morning that with a minimum of 1,500 passing attempts, number one quarterback rated is Aaron Rodgers. Number two is now Deshaun Watson. Now, Patrick Mahomes has 1,473, as was pointed out to me by a kind Chiefs fan. And he's at a quarterback rating of 110, which is above both of those guys. So, and he's probably going to get spot drop on Sunday, so that could go up to about 130. Unless something crazy happens in the next day, you know, the next couple of days, you know, he's going to go to one, Rodgers two, Watson three. But when you're number three on a list with Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers in front of you, you're playing at a high level. He's been fantastic this year. He carved up New England on Sunday. He is playing at such a high level. And it's not just the athleticism and creating outside of the pocket and off of structure. He is a pocket passer right now. That is he's doing all the small things that matter at the position, moving defenders with his eyes, looking people off, going through progression reads, putting the ball where it needs to be. That seam route he threw to Brandon Cooks early in the game when they were in the rub concepts to the left, and he sort of picked off Stephon Gilmore. J.C. Jackson read it and jumped it. And if Watson throws that anywhere else, it's an incompletion or worse. But he puts it high where only Brandon Cooks can get it, I'll throw on a rope like 35 yards downfield. So don't give me the arm strength question with Deshaun Watson. He's a must watch right now. I know they're bad. I know they're three and seven. I know people are looking at this Detroit Houston game and thinking, "I'm not. I'm not watching this. Watch it for Deshaun Watson."
0: Well, it's, if you can level J.C. Jackson, who's been one of the five best cornerbacks in the NFL over the last two years, and yeah. Probably because uh, neither Gilmore nor Tredavious White is playing anywhere near the level they were playing at last year, and Jackson might be playing better. Um, if you can level a guy like that, um, yeah, he's, and we always think well, mobile quarterbacks and the automatic assumption that he's not, you know, he's not, <laughs> right. He's not, he's not doing the full quarterback uh, 5 tool thing, and, and he really is. Is he going to be in the Schofield's QB camp this week? I suspect he will be.
1: I suspect he's going to be the guy to lead it
0: off. Okay. So, against that, the <laughs> shot against Detroit's preferred man coverage this year 68 of 125 for 956 yards, 631 air yards, 11 touchdowns, one interception. Is that good? That's pretty good, Doug. Now, he has been less efficient against zone defenses 133 of 178 for 1674. 1,013 air yards, eight touchdowns, and four interceptions. So you can expect that the Lions will play almost exclusively man coverage because they're the Lions. Absolutely. My question to you, Dr. Schofield, if the Lions get blown out, which they're going to, is there any reason to keep Matt Patricia around? Because now you've got a little extra time. I don't know who else is on that staff who could maybe just, you know, or are they just going to, because, I mean, they kept Matt Millen for God knows how long. Maybe they're just loyalists and that's the way they go.
1: No, I mean, look, and ownership said prior to the year that they expected better production. They expected better performance. And, you know, from the rumblings that I'm hearing, they were going to give Patricia until Thanksgiving. I can't imagine if they lose this game that he's their coach next week. Like, I, what, what's the point? You know, it's not like the New York Jets situation where it seems like they're keeping Adam Gase to make sure they go 0-16. Like, they're not going to do that. They're not going to get the first overall pick. I think it's time to give up. This is clearly not working in Detroit, and when you lose last week to Philip Walker, like, and you look bad
0: in doing so, shut out, awful. Yeah, it's 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 time for change. You get shut out, and that's you know you you think Stafford and deep ball and all this. Man, Uh yeah, the
1: offense yeah, looked bad last week. The defense, Matt Patricia, like you said, they they should play zone coverage this week. They won't. Matt Patricia thinks he's Bill Belichick. He's not. It's yeah. time. It's time for change.
0: He's not Steve Belichick. He's not. You know. He's not any Belichick. He's not any Belichick. Well, most of us aren't. I think Detroit's only hope is a big DeAndre Swift game. Maybe they can take advantage of Houston's bad run defense, but you're going to have to answer Deshaun Watson against your crappy defense with, like, you know, that's another 17 touchdown game, and that's not going to happen.
1: What's interesting is last week against New England, they played a lot more four down linemen than I think people have seen from Houston this year, and it really sort of took away the ground game. Yeah. And they tried to make New England a passing team, and New England was able to do it, and maybe Detroit has more success with that, but I don't know.
0: Well, against New England, we'll get into this later. Um, they're just—they're—you know—they're all about twenty-one personnel and leather helmets and knock your block off right now. This is—this is—the this is the second half of the twenty eighteen season redux. Our passing game is—we're eh, just—we're gonna go. I—I I, would—you know—I haven't seen a pro set team since like nineteen ninety nine. If they start running pro set like the seventies Cowboys, that wouldn't surprise me. Oh, no. that'd, that'd be kind of fun. Uh, yeah. Uh, Washington at Dallas. I don't have a lot to say here. Uh, Cowboys make Kirk Cousins with like Aaron Rodgers. Justin Jefferson didn't get the targets he deserved. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, I I got nothing. We we'll get to Je- we we'll, we'll get to Jefferson later, but, but yeah. Game, eh. I
1: well, we have to point out that the winner of this game is in first place Friday morning. Like that's the we live in right now Doug I, I, I think this game will be decided can they protect Andy Dalton or not because you look at that game a couple weeks ago I think it was something like eight sacks that Washington defensive front can be scary but yeah the winner of this game is your NFC East leader on Friday morning which is just absurd well that last
0: Washington game not great for Andy Dalton no it wasn't and, and by the way he played last Sunday with no taste or smell yeah so good to see that COVID plan working guys it's working great Okay, Baltimore at Pittsburgh. Week eight, Lamar Jackson completed 13 of 28 passes for 208 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions against the Steelers in a 28-24 loss. This was the game where Lamar started jabbing Greg Roman about the predictability of the offense, and the Steelers defenders after that game were like, hey, you know, they ran this play once, and we knew we were going to run it again, and, and it wasn't, you know, the predictability of the play. It was Lamar's not reading this stuff. Um, I don't see him improving against New England. He left, this is my conservative estimate, 250 passing yards on the table. That's a lot. Stuff he didn't see, stuff he, and you study the Patriots. You tell me if I'm wrong in that game, but there was wide open stuff, deep stuff with Hollywood Brown, crosses with Mark Andrews. And there was that one, it was a near interception, uh, Marquise Brown going up the right boundary. And McCourty has him on lock and JC Jackson's on the other side. And I forget who the receiver was, but they're running double verts on the boundary. And Andrews has like a 10 yard crosser and Kyle Duggar is just smoked on that play. He's got no shot. Uh, nice uncalled pass interference. Mr. Duggar uh, tripping Houston's tight end, by the way, and getting away with it. Um, but you know, Lamar left a ton on the table. Kind of the same against Tennessee. We've talked about Lamar before, but, um, you know, and then on the other side of the ball, you've got, speaking of boat racing, what Antonio or A.J. Brown did and what Derrick Henry did to that defense. Because that, we kind of know where Lamar is. Um, yeah. I don't think that's changing this year. Maybe he gets another offseason and, you know, it's different. I think we've talked that to death. Baltimore's defense against Tennessee, that – And I try to stay away from cliches. So when I say that a team is not playing with a a discernible identity, um, it takes a lot to get me there. But that's where I think we are with Baltimore.
1: Yeah, they're not the Baltimore Ravens on defense that we're accustomed to seeing. Um, You know, we saw... And we understand, look, Tennessee play action, we get it. Like, they're going to sell you on play action. But guys were biting hard. You know There were opportunities to make plays from Ryan Tannehill and he took advantage of them. When you've got your corners, like one of the downfield throws that Ryan Tannehill had in that game, your corners biting down on play action from the boundary because he's so worried about stopping the run. And when that is in the back of the minds of the guys in the secondary, that tells me there's a problem up front where they feel like, look, Running plays are going to be on to the third level. We have to be a force in stopping the run. That's a recipe for disaster.
0: Is this This a case, do you think this is, because we've talked about this with, like, um, different teams, but is this a case where, hey, the offense isn't working, so the defense is putting too much pressure on itself? Because this isn't a a matter of being out-personneled. This, this yeah. defense has a ton of talent. Um, a ton of talent. And they're just trying to do too much.
1: Yeah, they're trying to do too much. It's the whole quicksand thing. And What's interesting is, you know, you and I talked this offseason about the acquisitions that Baltimore made. The defensive acquisitions were made for one reason, to stop Derrick Henry in yeah. a game like this or in the playoffs after what he did to them in the playoffs and what happened.
0: Well, and to upgrade a run defense that, quite frankly, wasn't that great last year. Yeah. and That's, that's where you go out and get Calais Campbell. Yeah. You know, he's had injury issues and all that, but that's why you get him. Yep, yeah. And they
1: couldn't do it this week. And now they're in trouble. They're third place right now in the division.
0: And... Cleveland, well, here's... Baltimore six and four. They've lost three of their last four. Cleveland isn't going anywhere, and we'll also get into that later. Um, and the Ravens could be kaput if they lose this. Because especially if they get Pittsburgh, <laughs> as I like to say, where you just get out physical, um, at that point, you're six and five, and you just got your ass kicked. Yeah. And I don't know where you go from there. I don't know. Th-
1: th- this could be the beginning of the end for Baltimore this year tonight. I mean, Thursday night.
0: And it's not like they're going to make a bunch of changes um, if that happens. I mean, Roman has, you know, he got sort of – he got caught up in the Harbaugh rough transition in San Francisco, and then the Buffalo thing happened. Where he, I mean, he made Tyrod Taylor a pro Bowler. Yeah. Now, I'll say it again. This is not a Greg Roman problem. I don't care what anyone says. I, I have watched the tape. I've seen Lamar have stuff steamed wide-ass open for him, and he's not looking at it. This is not a Greg Roman problem, um, and I, I will just die on that hill. <clears throat> Las Vegas and Atlanta. Oh, boy. we talked about Derek Carr over the last few weeks. Just, you know, focusing on his improved mechanics, drastically improved mechanics, I think. Um, really trusting it, starting to win outside of structure, which, and you know this, because you've been a quarterback and you study quarterbacks. You start to have that faith in your mechanics to where it's like practicing a John Coltrane solo. And you learn the modes and you learn the technique and you go, okay, this is Locrian third and I'm just gonna bang my way through it. And then you get to the point where you're not learning, you're improvising, true improvisation. And I think against the Chiefs, Carr got to the point where he was there. Uh, Twenty-three to thirty-one for two seventy-five, three touchdowns, one late desperation interception. I'm not going to hold that against him. He had four drops and two throwaways. Outside of the late pick, I mean, he kind of—he almost pitched a perfect game. That's not the Chiefs' defense, in the two thousand Ravens. But he really seems to have the hang of the entire passing game. And oh, Atlanta's twenty-sixth in pass defense DVOA. So whoops
1: yeah this this could be a huge car game um
0: we've talked about car a lot of
1: people are sort of joining us on the Derek Carr bandwagon which is good top five quarterback at this point this season i think so yeah i mean who else is the bottom of the five but i would say he's uh, he's five you know there are a lot of quarterbacks right now that would kill to be on that list there are a lot of fan bases that would kill to have their quarterback on that list so yeah i think the raiders are real um, provided they can get adequate play from their defense, they'll do enough this week. Um, you wonder about them sort of in the postseason. But, yeah, Derek Carr is real. Like, I think you have to watch them, um, and you have to take them seriously right now because that offense is good and Carr is playing well.
0: Well, Paul Gunther through his career has been more of a static zone guy. Um yeah. Raiders defensive coordinator. I really like what he's done with his defenses over the last few weeks. It's it's involving uh, Nick Kwiatkowski is, has been really great. He's been a secret superstar a couple times. Uh, but he's involving the linebackers in different coverage, pressure looks, switching coverages. I'll mention a little weird trying to beat Mahomes from the inside of the pass rush, but uh, they present more of a challenge than Matt Ryan, than you might think. Raiders were 25th in pass defense DVOA in weeks one through nine. Since then, they rank eight. And that's where the Mahomes game in there. Uh, it's also with a Drew Rock game in which you vomited up four picks, but my point stands. Yeah. This is an offense where if your defense is league average, you can go somewhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. This is a team that could, you know, if they get the right matchups in the postseason, this might be the proverbial like team nobody wants to play.
0: I think it is. I think the Browns are one. I think the Raiders are another. I think maybe the Cardinals are a third. It's, yeah. I don't really want this smoke right now. Let's look at the, I'm going to look up the Raiders remaining schedule they got the Falcons they got the <laughs> Jets they got the Colts they got the Chargers they got the Dolphins they got the Broncos um, pretty favorable now, schedule now the interesting thing for Carr is those are we'll take the Falcons and the Jets out of this equation um those are some challenging defenses the Colts very disciplined very multiple out of cover 2 or two high looks yeah Chargers heavy 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 zone single hat last year they're playing they've i think they have the fourth most man coverage snaps this year they've really switched it up so whatever you think you have in the chargers um, on the tape from last year throw it out because they're different now dolphins we've talked about broncos and we'll get to that later um i don't think tua was the reason tua got benched i think vic fangio and his staff were the reason that that was the reason Tua got benched. Broncos brought a hell of a defensive game plan. So I mean your quarterbacks that your defense is facing that. Matt Ryan, whatever the hell the Jets throw up. Rivers, who knows? Herbert, that's a problem. Tua, who knows? Drew Locke, well we kind of know. So yeah. they're they're six and four. Can they go eleven and five? You know, ten and six? I I don't see why not. I
1: don't see why not either. And yeah, I I think that's um uh, they've They'll have some problems um, with a couple of those games, like you mentioned. Um, I, I think that's sort of the Cardinals defense might give them some pro- – I mean, the Chargers defense me, might give them, the pro- give them some problems. But, yeah, I think this is a team that's going to finish pretty well.
0: Chargers with Bills, insert the Spider-Man pointing meme. Justin Herbert and Josh Allen, two big, tough quarterbacks who don't flinch against pressure at all and tear man coverage to bits. Interesting thing about the Chargers this season, I'll mention this again, still a base zone defense, league leading 75% zone in 2019. They're less cover three and go now. About equal distribution between cover three quarters and some split safety looks. They're playing more man this season. And here's the thing, they're really bad at it. Nine touchdowns, one interception. So maybe don't do as much of that, especially against Josh Allen. Right. Um, You mentioned this last week on the modem-based disaster blockle that turned into the non-podcast um Alan has been more judicious against zone the last few weeks he's not trying to zoom the ball in against coverage he doesn't like or coverage that switched late and he can't see it he's checking down when the picture is muddy um and another step in his development if the charges play a bunch of man here that could lead to another charges loss uh exasperating as they do uh but go back to what you've seen because i've seen it too how Allen is recalibrating his expectations of himself, and, you know, that that's also good coaching to say, don't try and fit it in there against stuff you don't understand yet. Uh, take the check down, because that's what he's doing.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I think if you're a Bills fan, you're you're happy to see this sort of cycle, because at the start of the year, teams were playing a ton of man coverage against him, and he was just carving you up just covering that up. And so then defenses were forced to respond, which interestingly enough is something we've talked about, we've talked about in length with Justin Herbert now. D- defenses have to change what they're doing against him because he's dictating what you can and can't do. It was the same with Allen and the Bills. They were starting to play more zone coverage, a lot more spun coverage at the snap to try to confuse him. And he was misreading stuff and making bad throws and bad decisions and forcing stuff into windows that weren't quite there for him. And in the weeks since then, teams have tried to do that still. And he's been a lot more judicious with his reads and his throws and his decisions. He's taken checkdowns. If he doesn't trust something, he doesn't like what he's seeing, he's going to go somewhere else with it. And so I think you've seen sort of the evolution of Josh Allen in sort of adjusting to the adjustments over the past couple of weeks. And that's been a reason why they've won some of the games they've won you look at what he did against arizona two weeks ago i know they lost that game but you saw a lot of examples of that where okay if i'm seeing something and i'm not quite sure i'm just going to take my check down i'm not going to play hero ball that was one thing that a lot of people thought you had to sort of coach out of josh allen was look your arm it's awesome it's fantastic it's great don't always rely on it sometimes it's okay to throw the ball to your running back or to the hot read and just take what the defense has given you that's what he's done in recent weeks and it's sort of clicked for them
0: well and you brought this up uh we were talking about just different quarterbacks against middle of the field uh herbert and and you you brought up that this is cover two quarters and cover six Kerbert has the most attempts in the end. This is per Sports Info Solutions. Herbert has the most attempts. My cat is freaking out over here. Hi, blue. Um, I mean, middle of the field, open coverage. Yeah. Get- uh, most, most attempts, 71. Most completions, 51. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. So teams are hitting him with two deep. And the Bills don't want to do that because here's, you know, talk about what Bills fans like, what they don't like is their defense right now. Right. Um, and this starts with Trudavious White. And I know he's been hurt and all that. He has not been Trudavious White this season. Uh 21 catches allowed out on 32 targets for 342 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, an opponent, opponent passer rating of 127.9. Um, I did not expect this and no one else. There is no JC Jackson here. no no second guy who would be a cb1 on 31 other teams so this could be a shootout
1: yeah it it could be a shootout i think what's interesting to think about this game though is that you have in two quarterbacks like you said a sort of spider-man point and meme, you have sort of the developmental roadmap for how to draft a athletic big-armed quarterback and to get him to be an nfl quarterback Yep. think you're seeing right now in Josh Allen, I mean excuse me, in Justin Herbert, some of how Josh Allen was used early in his career, and you're seeing right now in Josh Allen, perhaps where Herbert can get to with, you know, making reads, working through progressions, attacking zone coverage, attacking different sort of zone coverage looks and throwing windows. And so I think from a quarterback development game, this is one of the more fun ones of the week.
0: Absolutely transit bengals i don't really have anything to say here um I re- this sucks it
1: just it's sucks. just heartbreaking this is just suck Heartbreaking Girl because
0: out for the season uh, acl mcl structural damage never like to see that good lord um and i gotta say this about zach taylor dude uh, this is the you know man stabbed what are you going to do stab me well you run your quarterback in empty more than any other team and your offensive line stinks and your guy's pressured all the time this is going to happen yeah reasons andrew luck retired by the way
1: yeah and anytime a young quarterback has an injury like this you fear of what could be and i will also say a lot of eagles fans in my dms are like oh no you know because this is when the injury gets compared to carson wentz And you see where Wentz is right now, there's a fear that this could be the future, you know, the ghost of Christmas future for Joe Burrow. And yes, that's my first of what will be many Christmas carol references this holiday
0: season. But my first thought was Greg Cook. Yeah, that too. Go look him up, kids. It's not a happy story. No, it's not. It's, it's, this, it's was the, this was the guy that Bill Walsh said was better than Steve Young. And then he got his shoulder beaten up in 69 when they had, you know, surgery was like bite on it and we'll just cut your arm off. Um, Yeah. I I Because I, I, what I've said about Burrow is I haven't seen a quarterback since Andrew Luck handle this kind of volume with the relative lack of talent around him and succeed at that level. So I just, I hope he's healthy. I hope he comes back. And I hope they give him more to run with.
1: Yeah. I mean, Penny Sewell, the kid in Oregon. Yeah. Like just right Sharpie next to the Bengals when you start doing mock drafts, kids. And then maybe add more offensive linemen in the second and
0: third rounds. Yep. Yep. I need to go, I'm gonna ask you to talk about PJ Walker for a second. I need to go address my cat. I'll be back in 30 seconds. Excellent. So
1: I'm gonna talk about PJ Walker for a second because he got a chance to get his first start against the Detroit Lions. And what was interesting for me from a sort of conceptual and quarterback evaluation standpoint was the idea that what you saw with Walker in the XFL when he played last year in the XFL was athleticism, vision, and creativity. You know, part of that was the conceptual, the concepts of the offense that he was running, and you saw a bit of that from Walker on Sunday against the Lions. You saw him making throws outside of the pocket. You saw him making throws on the move. You know, the touchdown that came to DJ Moore on a red zone corner route you know that's a tough route to read to see and to throw for the quarterback position because you know the field widens the closer you get to the end zone and to see that the way he did to see the field the way he did and then sort of make that throw was really impressive now do i think that pj walker has shown based on one start against the detroit lions that he is the future at the quarterback position in carolina no i i don't think we're there yet i still think You know that teddy bridgewater has done enough to be the future of the quarterback position for the carolina panthers but if they end up with a top 10 top seven top eight type pick you know passing on a top seven eight nine ten quarterback might be tough for them to do but that being said i think walker showed in this game that he can be your number two long-term backup spot starter type of quarterback and That's a good thing to have. We just got done talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. And, yes, you go all in on a a rookie quarterback that you draft first of all. First overall, absolutely. But as you can see, when somebody goes down in this league and injuries do happen, if you don't have a backup plan, you're in a mess. And right now the backup plan for the Bengals is Brandon Allen, apparently. So the fact that Walker showed he can be long-term backup, spot starter, that's a good thing for
0: Carolina. Yep, you're turning the barrel, kid. Uh, thank you for vamping. That was a that was an excellent vamp. I can vamp. Uh could be no Adam Thielen in this game. Reserved COVID, positive, then negative tests. So maybe Justin Jefferson gets more targets. Let's talk about Justin Jefferson for a minute, because oh my god. Can we uh, only Odell Beckham Jr. and Quan Bolden and Marcus Colston have more receiving yards to their first 10 games in NFL history, kids, than Jefferson's 848. And Jefferson has done that with just 45 receptions. Uh, Not bad for a guy that in an offense, that's hiding its quarterback, you know, week to week, depending on the opponent. When was the last time, because this is what stands out to, and you wrote the piece, which was certainly, you know, you were Miss Cleo on this one. Uh, Jefferson in the slot at LSU, can you be an outside receiver? You went through the tape and said, absolutely. And, you know, the last time you saw a rookie receiver, this practiced with release off the line, routes and options, and getting free downfield. It's like, I I think PFF said he has the highest grade against uh, press man this year. Um, He's he's kind of turned into, uh, th- I think the guy I would compare him to is Devontae Adams. Yeah. That kind of twitchy release off the line, you know, second level acceleration, and the understanding of when to bend the route. When to adjust the route to, because Kubiak's playbook is pretty heavy with option routes. It's not New England, but they've got some stuff. It's, you know, West Coast option, inside, outside zone, whatever. Um, When was the last time you saw a receiver come in? And this isn't, you know, is Randy Moss is obviously one of the greatest of all time, but Randy Moss is like running downfield, just beating the crap out of everyone. The last time we saw a rookie, this practiced with the stuff that really makes a receiver a receiver.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, maybe Amari? I maybe mean, Amari was a very complete receiver coming out of Alabama, and that's one of the reasons I loved him, was because, look, he was... I know mean, we sometimes blow up the idea of a full route tree, because, hi, DK Metcalf, like, you don't need a full route tree, just do what you do and do well, it well. Who
0: runs a full route tree anyway?
1: Right, nobody does, um, but... You know, Amari had sort of a complete package off the line of scrimmage. You know, the the hands were really the question for him as a rookie uh, when he was with the Raiders. Um, Outside of that, look, Judy has been good, too. CeeDee Lamb, they've been good, too. Like, you know, these have been some good rookie wide receivers. But I think Jefferson has been fantastic. And we've talked about it before, Doug. It's, It's just a great example of a team trusting their process, trusting their evaluation, and knowing that, look, you can say what you want about him from a skin fit perspective, but we trust in our process that we can use him wherever we want. Um, and I think we, that video surfaced again of the Vikings virtual draft war room. Mm-hmm. Eagles drafted Rhaegor right in front of him, and they knew, oh boy, we get Justin Jefferson now. And it's rare to see a smile on Mike Zimmer's face. Yeah. But you saw one which tells you all you need to know about how they felt about their evaluation. He's been fantastic. He's a joy to watch.
0: Yep. He really is. Uh, Arizona at new England, lost to the Texans, put them in at four and six might end their chances at the postseason. But two things are clear that offense needs sharper relief. Ranked 24th in offensive DA in weeks, DVOA in weeks one through nine up to second behind the chiefs in weeks, 10 through 11, heavy 21 personnel run game. Damian Harris is great. And Jacoby Myers, over the last four weeks, he's right up there with Claypool and Adams and whoever you want to talk about as far as targets, receptions, I mean, in in numbers. And Cam, over the last four games, 81 of 117 for 931 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Now, these aren't explosive Aaron Rodgers since the Tampa Bay game stats, but it's good enough. Here's what's not good enough, um, especially against Kyler Murray. We're talking about DVOA splits. Um, Patriots have fallen from thirtieth in pass defense in the first half of the season to dead last. Yeah, you saw that coming. You're lying. I know about the COVID opt outs. I know about the the injuries and the free agency and the. This is worse than 2011, and this is Belichick. What the hell?
1: Yeah, I I wish I had an answer. And, you know, in some sense, you know, it's an Occam's Razor type of situation. The easiest answer is the correct one. In the past couple of weeks, they've played Deshaun Watson, who is a pretty good quarterback. He's okay. Earlier in the year, they played Patrick Mahomes. You know, the one that I think stands out, however, is Joe Flacco in week
0: nine. Mm
1: -hmm. Joe Flacco put up. I think over 300 yards passing. I'd have to double check that. Um, number of touchdowns. He did have the one bad interception to J.C. Jackson late in the game. But when Joe Flacco puts up numbers like that against your defense, you have a problem. I think it stems from some weeks it's, you know, a decision made schematically, like it was last week. Um, the week against the Jets, it was they just couldn't do it. They can't get pressure on quarterbacks. It you know? was week nine, right? Yeah, the Jets game was week nine and it looks like Flacco had like three fifty or
0: something like that. Okay, I'm looking up the Oh 257. Yeah. So a huge number. Yeah. Okay, this is really disconcerting. This is Joe Flacco. Um over twenty air yards in that game, throws of over twenty air yards in that game. Uh deep attempts five, completions two, touchdowns two, interceptions one. Yeah. Well your defense gives up two deep touchdowns to Joe Flacco in the year twenty twenty. Um That's a problem. They,
1: they can't get pressure. They can't get pressure on teams when they when they try to. Um, last week, they didn't try to. They tried to really keep Deshaun Watson in the pocket and make him make throws from the pocket, which right now is a bad idea. Um, so the defense is the problem with New England. For everybody that's yelling at me right now on Twitter and texts and emails and smoke signals, whatever, about Cam Newton being the problem, he's not the problem right now.
0: He's, he's- actually the opposite of the problem. I'm going back to defense because 2018 – was when the Patriots, right halfway through the season, said, screw it, our passing game isn't working very well. Period. Uh, we're going to do something else. So let's see, DVOA in 2018. Patriots were 19th overall in 2018. Now, they weren't dead last. But, you know, it wasn't like last year where they were first by a mile. So, yeah. I mean,
1: the issue in New England is they they can't stop teams the way they thought they were going to be able to. So it's putting more on their offense. And the offense is good, it's better than people thought it was going to be. But it's not the kind of offense that is going to make up for a defense that is just getting carved up like it is right now.
0: Yeah. And this may be, you know, we talked about 2011, and that was the year. Uh, the the two-part Belichick football life where he's talking to Brady on the sideline late in the season. is like, I knew we didn't have the guys. Yeah, And, and maybe that's just, but, you know, I think, and it, we don't know what they're going to do in the off season. I think you can sustain this with Cam for a little while. I think you can build around it. I want to, but you can.
1: Agreement. I am in absolute agreement. Now the numbers would have to work. You know, if Cam's gonna say, you know, want a big deal. They have a ton of cap space, so they probably could do that, but
0: Some like sixty million next year.
1: Yeah, it's just a ridiculous amount of cap space. Now, you know, some of that will some of that's unofficial right now because guys like Hightower and Sean are gonna come back and so I think Hightower retired.
0: I think that's official. Is it really? I think they're looking to I read that on I read that on the Twitters yesterday, they're looking to say, Hey, you wanna be a coach? Kind of the Gerard Mayo plan. Okay, well
1: I didn't see that. But yeah, I mean We'll have
0: money. Though. Now you got to get a run stopping linebacker who can uh, blitz at 46 end in your bare front packages. Cause that's what he did. Micah Parsons, Penn state. There you go. No, yeah. there you go. Uh, so yeah, the offense isn't the problem. Um, Jacoby Myers has become what they thought Nikhil Harry was going to be. Cam's doing what he's being asked to do. And the run game is kicking ass. So
1: look at that touchdown throw to bird. Why did that come together? They jumped Nicole, Jacoby Myers on a crossing route. They basically. Oh t-
0: yeah, I did. Yeah, Demir Bird had a great game. So yeah, they're they're starting to put it to and you know, Cam ran Earhart Perkins in Carolina and which you wrote about. are a heavy Earhart Perkins team. So the whole yeah. thing about schematic schism, I I didn't buy that. The names in the playbooks may be different for the plays, but the concepts are are somewhat similar. So that's another reason I think. Well, you know, if you want to build around this guy for one or two years, um, unless you absolutely positively have to get quarterback X in the draft overnight, um, you know, I might throw my money elsewhere because they need it elsewhere and go that way
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I think. Look, resign Cam. If you have a top fifteen pick, you can go wide receiver. You can go linebacker. Like you can, you can fix this team pretty quickly around Cam.
0: Miami at Jets. Uh, let's talk about the two benching. I think well, I wrote about it. Yep, I saw you saying on Twitter, I think we both agree it was the right move. Um, and I know Denver's defense really had a good plan. Going back to his Alabama tape and his starts in Miami. I think the thing that stood out right from the first two throws, which were like air mail balls. I've never seen him play so frenetically. What did, What did you see from him? yeah i mean i i don't think he was comfortable um i've said before
1: you know footwork that it's that window into the mind of the quarterback his feet were all over the place he wasn't comfortable in that game and i do just want to say again benching him was the right thing to do from brian flowers yes. like, period, full stop. We, doug you wrote about it the piece people have to read um i i read, wrote about it a little bit in the power rankings this week i'm reminded of a piece that matt waldman wrote about rooting quarterbacks where he cut from, uh, I believe it was either Breeze's or I think it was Marty Schottenheimer's football life. When Breeze was early in his career at San Diego with Schottenheimer as his coach, and Schottenheimer sat him down a couple of times, and one of the times they saw him on the sideline, and Schottenheimer was basically saying, look, if it's a one-score game, you're out there. But with the way you're playing right now, we're not going to win this game. I'm not going to run you back out there and make things worse. They were down 10. He had just gotten sacked twice. He didn't look comfortable. He didn't look right. Got rolled up on the ankle a little bit. I'm okay with sitting him down there. Look, this is a team that had a plan to start him after the bye. They did that. They're sticking to their plan with how to handle this kid. It's great that Miami's in the playoff run right now. They might still very well be a playoff team. But you drafted Tua to win in 2021 and beyond, and handling him the right way is what they have to do with that. I'm 100% fine with that decision.
0: I think... And I guess Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn was talking about this on Sirius, and someone pointed out to me on Twitter that you can kill the guy's confidence. I think as a coach, as a head coach, you're you're the thirty thousand foot overhead guy. You got to be the CEO and see everything. I think you have. It's a really really weird balance between when do I need to let him stay in there and learn from this crap, and when do I need to pull him out before permanent damage is done on like a david Carter level right. and this by the way is why i think doug peterson needs to swallow it up and just get carson Wentz the hell out of there for a while but in Tua's case i think he was right on that ledge and i think flores made the right call at the right time because that was the first i think the first full drive of the fourth quarter was when fitzpatrick came in and it wasn't like fitzpatrick was doing any better brown no. defense just came up with a badass plan sometimes you get out schemed, you gotta move on yeah, Broncos' defense was doing a lot of the stuff that Miami's defense did against, like, Jared Goff. Yeah. So, um, kudos to Vic Fangio on that one. But, you know, long-term, I you know, Forrest said this week, plan is the same. Brian Fitzpatrick said, hey, I, t- I told the kid, you're our guy. You're just not our guy right now, and it's not our day, and you move on. Yep. Yeah. Cleveland at Jacksonville. Uh, well, currently it's Mike Glennon instead of Jake Luton. I mean, I-, I love Cleveland's run game. Uh, Browns League of League and 13 personnel I'm just trying to make this interesting because it's going to be a boat race We're talking it's a happy boat race <laughs> yeah, that's the title of this show I, I- um, so what is the Mike Glennon circle uh, Mike Glennon got benched in 2017 for Mitchell Trubisky who got benched this year for Nick Foles who got benched last year for Gardner Minshew who got replaced by Jake Luton who is now benched in favor of Mike Glennon Mike Glennon is the NFL's flat circle Yep. that's all I have to say about that
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, look, this is going to be a bad game in all likelihood, but I do think that Kevin Stefanski deserves credit for how he's constructed this offense. It's a very good running game, as you talked about. Wyatt Teller is fantastic, as we've talked about. I think last week in the rain against Philadelphia, you saw some play action, some play action out of 22 and 13 personnel, um, designed rollouts for Baker to get him where he wants to be because we all know he loves to bail the pockets, and why not just do that? Why not just put him where he wants to be? So I think look, this this is a team that as we alluded to earlier, might be one of the other teams like you don't want to play, particularly when they get Miles Garrett back. You know, that's a defense you don't want to face, that's a pass rusher you don't want to face. And if they have the ability to run all over you in the playoffs and keep you your quarterback on the sidelines, that's a problem.
0: I'm what I see from Baker right now, um, it's not as crazy in the pocket and, and bailing as it was before the five touchdown game. But there's still a, a hurriedness to his game, and maybe it's down to weather. I don't know. But last week, he missed some, and he was throwing late, like it, which that's not weather. That's more perception. That's like, I didn't see this in time. So I, where are you with him right now?
1: I mean, I think he's like that quintessential quarterback you win with not a guy you wouldn't because of. Uh, I think you have to give him the the Garoppolo, the Cousins type of treatment right now. Um, The problem for Cleveland is, can they do that and avoid the mistakes that Minnesota and San Francisco made, which was backing up the Briggs truck to his front door and saying, okay, we know what you are and what your limitations are as a quarterback, but sure, here's 60 million guaranteed.
0: Well, if you have a complimentary quarterback, the only way you go to a Super Bowl is if you have a historically great defense. Right. Um, you talked about Garoppolo. Well, San Francisco's defense last year was off the hook. Yeah. Um, the Browns don't have that kind of defense. It's above average, but, you know, not that. So yeah, we'll see. Um, so New Orleans at Denver. I, I had many concerns about Taysom Hill. He He eradicated some of them. I think, you know, it was a a good game plan against a crap defense, and he showed more developmental stuff as a quarterback than I thought. Uh, There was the arm punt that worked out well for him for 50 yards. You kind of pull that off because it was, you know, if you're looking for design and scheme and development. But, um, you know, now he gets a Denver defense that just tied Tua up in knots. So that will be because now that's everyone has a plan until they get hit. Well, you're about to get hit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Hill was better than the timeline on Twitter expected him to be. I don't think he's, you know, an NFL caliber starting quarterback long term. I think he's like a fine backup. Um, Yeah, I think he's going to struggle a bit more against this Denver defense, which is going to do some things that, you know, Atlanta's not going to didn't do last week. A lot
0: of match, highly aggressive. Yeah, and that's good for a quarterback who struggles to read beyond his first look.
1: Yeah, that's going to force him to make some reads and progression decisions and throws into tighter windows. And he can, he's going to make some mistakes. The, the issue is going to be the flip side though. You know what Dennis Allen's going to do to Drew Long?
0: <laughs> I was just going to say, this is going to be a really... If you're a quarterback... Uh... like I'm not watching this game unless somebody... Well, you're going to have to watch it for power rankings. Just, you know, do the short version. But uh, yeah, I think Dennis Allen who was the Raiders coach for like two and a half minutes at one point. I think he might be scheming himself into some interviews because that that only Pittsburgh in the second half of the season has a better defense than New Orleans. And he's done some cool stuff. Like Marcus Williams is not what I would call a great deep safety. So Dennis Allen does what good coaches do. Don't tell me what you can't do. Tell right. me what you can do. And Williams had an interception um against the Buccaneers and that was one of those misreads where it was like two guys or he had an interception not last week but in week nine where two Saints players were competing for the ball against one of those miscommunications but what Allen's done is turned Marcus Williams into like an Eric Weddle deep third run blitzer so hey let's use the guy for what he's good at what a concept it's a a brilliant concept I know it's like coaches should do that more uh, San Francisco at Rams. Let's talk about another coach, Brandon Staley. Uh, I think a lot of people were highly pissed off when Sean McVay said, I am going to move on from Wade Phillips, who is one of the greatest defensive coaches in NFL history and bring in this guy that I, no one's ever heard of. Brandon Staley is doing it's tremendous discipline. I just, my notes Adding in man-match combo concepts, Jalen Ramsey and man was zone on the other side. That works really well for Ramsey. I've seen that look a lot more. I saw a lot of match against Tampa Bay. I think Louis Riddick mentioned it on the broadcast. Um, cornerback Darius Williams has gotten me to talk more about. Two picks against the Seahawks, but on the season, he's allowed 23 catches, 49 targets for 306 yards, 101 yards against a catch after the catch. Two touchdowns, four interceptions, and an opponent with passer rating of 46.8. Only Denver's Bryce Callahan is better among cornerbacks with these 50% of their defensive snaps. And Leonard Floyd, of all people, who can't, I mean, he looked, he was built like Sean Gilbert in college. I never expected to say that Leonard Floyd has been amazing against the run. And as an edge rusher, he's been a top 10 defensive, a top 10 edge defender over the last month. And they can throw that all at, and you want Floyd to have a monster game against what you would imagine will be a run-first attack from San Francisco. But I don't know if even Kyle Shanahan can scheme his quarterback out of this.
1: I was going to say, if San Francisco wins this game, like Shanahan deserves
0: like a special kind of Coach of the Year award. Uh, he deserves a Biden cabinet post at this point. Yeah, I mean, how because- good is that to say? By the way because because that
1: would just be, like, a masterful job because you're going to have Nick Mullins, you're not going to have George Kittle against a defense that is one of the best defenses in the league.
0: And, we you know, like, about a month ago, we said, we need to talk about Miami's defense. We need to talk about Chicago's defense. We need to talk about this Rams' defense because that is where if some pulls them into the playoffs, that's going to do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean... I don't know is it time to consider the rams nfc favorites
0: in a division it's just a it's a big bunch of twice potatoes. It's, Who the hell
1: is hard to go there with jared goff because yeah. so many question marks about him but as you said earlier like if you're going to make a run with a quarterback that you win with you have to have an all-time defense and we might be seeing that come together with the Rams.
0: Well, let's see the defenses he's facing. Uh, 49ers. And Robert Sala, by the way, has done a hell of a job. That's an above-average defense. And they've i mean—they've given up on UPS drivers. They're like Domino's pizza guys are you know, playing cornerback for them right now. Um, I think Sala is another guy who I know he got the Cleveland interview last year. I think he's going to get a lot more interviews.
1: And they won't be making a Super Bowl run so he'll have the time to do it.
0: Exactly. So their defenses that Jared Goff faces... That- uh, two against the Cardinals, one against the Patriots, one against the Jets, one against the Seahawks. And we're going to see with the Seahawks on Monday night if that whole Ken Norton meeting, define your role thing is. But that's, you know, there's no defense on it that scares the living crap out of you. No. If Jared Goff can just, you know, not be Jared Goff, uh, yeah, they got a shot. They're seven and three. They're first in the NFC West. They dropped two games. They're 11 and five, maybe a two or three seed. Who knows? Yeah. That could be interesting. Chicago at Green Bay. I can't talk about Chicago's quarterback situation anymore because I'm just getting mad. So I'll bring this up. Aaron Rodgers in the five games since the debacle against the Bucks back when Todd Bowles was like calling a defense. This was, that was awesome. Uh, 126 of 178 for 1,515 yards, which leads the league. 8.6 yards per attempt. Only Mahomes is higher. 16 touchdowns leads the league. Two interceptions. Mark, I think he's over it.
1: I think he's over it. I think he's playing well. Um, but I know we're going to talk about the biggest concern right now, and yeah. all the NFC teams have weaknesses. Um, you know, with New Orleans, it's the quarterback position right now, with Taysom Hill, with the Rams, you know, it's, it's Jared Buff. <laughs> with, with the Buccaneers, it's the offense, as we talked about at the beginning. with the Green Bay Packers, it's probably their second half of the defense.
0: Like well the, yeah the front four we've talked about you black, kenny you doubled kenny clare yep you single everyone else yep. um your problem is Darius smith is starting to feel like Darius smith again um that's a problem but you know we jerry alexander gets a lot of love and i get it but i don't see it all the time and they don't have an option b this isn't like you have your your number one cornerback is being kind of disappointing there is no option B here. There is no guy who's stepping up. There is no J.C. Jackson or Darius Williams. One of the reasons the Rams are so great is because all of their defensive backs are just balling hard. And that's why the Patriots are so great last year. Gilmore went off, and here was Jackson going, yeah, me too. Right. Yeah, me too. The Packers don't, you know, here's the thing. Those insane Rodgers stats over a five-game period, the Packers are 3-2 and two in those games. Yeah. they. And two of the wins came against teams with Nick Mullins and Jake Luton as their quarterbacks. And yep. Luton almost pulled that thing out. So there isn't really a shutdown guy there. We know Aaron Rodgers is great. That offense is on, you know, on fleek, as the kids say. Uh, the defense is very much whatever the reverse of on fleek is. It's that.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, I still think, look, they're the best team in the division. Um but you start thinking about you know the contenders in the NFC, and that's a big weakness. Like None of them are complete perfect teams, but that's a big glaring weakness that they've got. They'll, they'll win this game. I'll be stunned if they lose to whether it's Mitchell Trubisky or, or Nick Foles or one of the Penguins they invited to Soldier Field, whether one of those Penguins gets the start. I hope people saw that video because it was yes. adorable.
0: But I can't bet on this team going forward. Well, I mean, right now you got Taysom Hill in New Orleans. You got the Rams and Cardinals trying to figure things out on offense and defense, respectively. The Seahawks, we don't know if that defensive uptick is it it means anything yet. Um, So the Packers right now are probably by a hair, the best team in the NFC. What that gets them in the playoffs, I I think utterly meaningless. They could win the conference. They could be one and done. Yeah. That, that's where you are, the weird defense. Yeah. Um, so speaking of the Seahawks, this is Monday night, Seattle at Philly. Eagles have played more man coverage than any other team this season. Now, they were kind of heavy man last year, but they've really pumped it up. And uh, how many times have I mentioned this on this podcast, Dr. Schofield, teams running heavy man coverage and they really suck at it? How many times have I said that? I think weekly. Low conservative estimate, I'm thinking 10. Well, he was number 11. Eagles, again, more man coverage than any other team this season. Eight touchdowns, three interceptions in man. And here comes Russell Wilson. And here comes guys who tear up man coverage. Nobody in the world tears up man coverage more than Russell Wilson. Five touchdowns against man against the Patriots. I mean, yikes.
1: Yeah. This could be a very. Who's who's
0: covering DK Metcalf and who's covering Tyler Lockett here? Because that's going to be fun.
1: I, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. Like that, I can only imagine what Philadelphia radio is going to be like on Tuesday morning mm-hmm. because this game has the potential to be not just a season ender for Philadelphia. Because let's face it, they lose; they're now a game and a half back. And you look at the Eagles' schedule the rest of the way. Like this was this is game two of what is going to what was a brutal five streak.
0: Oh yeah. Seahawks or Browns, Seahawks Packers Saints Cardinals and then they get Cowboys in Washington
1: yeah yeah and you know those other teams they have some tough games along the way in that division but not the way the Eagles have this could be the beginning of the end for dare we say the Carson Wentz Doug Peterson era
0: now, now, uh, now Carson wants Maverick Let, let's get into that
1: it's, it, it, it's a mess it's a mess and our mutual friend Mike K wrote today a deep piece about how they're trying to simplify the offense for Carson Wentz. And I did the piece of the video yesterday, and I said that I'm getting Mitchell Trubisky vibes, and immediately Eagles fans were rather colorful in their language, in my, my Twitter mentions, but they're saying, like, how can you compare Carson Wentz to Mitchell Trubisky? It's like, it's. I'm not saying they're the uh, same.
0: Easily right now.
1: Easily right now, true. What I'm saying is... When I start seeing offensive coaches calling mirrored curl flat and just dressing up curl flat and dressing up simplified concepts, that gives me Mitchell Trubisky vibes, and that's not a place you want your quarterback to be. Wentz is struggling. It's bad. And yes, it's bad all around in Philadelphia right now. The offense is bad. The offensive line is bad. Daroloski pointed out on the pick six, like you're asking Richard Rodgers to block a edge blitzer and he can't do it. Like it, it, It's a world of suck right now. It, it just is. But Wentz is a big part of the problem. And what other card do you have to play right now if you're Doug Peterson other than, look, Carson,
0: you might be our guy next year, but you're not in right now. Well, two questions. Number one, are they present, and I'm not blaming Peterson for this. This is, but when your quarterback is the the literal embodiment of the waste management open, are they designing enough just first read open, schemed, and designed stuff? Because Peterson is a master of this. Um, We just don't remember it right now. Are they giving Carson enough... Really, just dumb, schemed open stuff. To look, get your first read, get in a rhythm, and stop having your head explode.
1: They, I think they've given him some of that. If you look at that pick six, it's a Carson actually checks into it. It's a post wheel, and the the wheel is open, but he hesitates on it. Like, yeah, he was late on the throw. Yeah, and just because he doesn't trust it for whatever reason. So there are moments when that first read is there for him. And it's just still not happening, and so you know it, it's the cards that a quote a coach or an offensive coordinator has to play. It's okay. What can we do with them? Well, we got to get that first read open for him. Let's play that card. Oh, well, now it's not start, that's not working. So, do we go tempo? Do we change play callers? Like at some point, you've got one card left in your hand, and it's the back of quarterback's face on
0: it. Yeah. Well, you're trying to win the 8,500 500, in you go. Uh- yeah so if you're doug peterson and you make that call which i think you should how do you scheme it up for jalen hurts to succeed
1: i mean i think you have to do a ton with the quick- R-P-O. yeah i mean that you basically have to say do you still have your oklahoma playbook from last season jalen <laughs> and if so well, let's, Baker Mayfield. Let's, let's get that installed like right now like you call lincoln riley and you say um what can you do you know could you send us a graduate assistant to be a to we'll fire Chris taylor the graduate assistant on the offensive staff you like the most is now our new offensive
0: coordinator my buddy Cody alexander our mutual friend Cody alexander yeah. yeah yeah um yeah i don't and and you know maybe maybe that defense in seattle the seattle defense falls apart again i mean i, I think it'll be okay um but this also, you know, Seattle's front four with Carlos Dunlap added. Um, don't know what you're thinking there, Bengals. But, yeah, um, I, I don't <laughs> – this this looks like a wash. And the thing is, the Eagles could still win the division. They could still win the so, division. They're, they're, they're th- what, 3-7-1? and one. They're 3-7-1 three, three, if they lose this game and they could still they win the – But one of those other teams is going to be 4-7. and seven. Yeah. So. Oof. um And on that – unappetizing note uh <laughs> <laughs> thanks as always for the great insight dr scofield uh happy thanksgiving to you and yours and happy thanksgiving to uh all, all of you guys and girls listening on the pot listening to the podcast uh we hope you all have a wonderful holiday weekend and uh now that the modem's checked out we'll see you next week